Praise the Lord and good morning everybody. Thank you for being with us today again for online service. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord today doing the work of God. So very thankful for our worship team this morning. There is such a thick presence of God that you can feel in this house. And I just want to tell you that it won't be too long now and we'll be here together and we will be able to worship the Lord together in spirit and in truth. I have no greater desire today than to please the Lord and to worship Him with our precious church family and to make an impact in this community and in this city. And God is going to help us do that. I feel great things on the horizon that is not uh, a matter of just having something to say today. I'm not just trying to thrill you and make you feel better about life. I'm telling you that God has been speaking over the last few days and great things are getting ready to happen. And uh, I believe that uh, it is worth today giving a, a warning to, uh, to the saints of God to let you know that the closer you get uh, to the end of this thing and the closer we get to breakthrough, I believe there's getting ready to be uh, a, a heavy uh, onslaught from the enemy. I believe there's going to be uh, a powerful attack of discouragement against the body of Christ, feelings of isolation. It's going to be stronger in the next few days than you have felt. But know this, that God has spoken to us, and we will be victorious through this thing. We are so close to a breakthrough in this hour, and God is going to do great things. You watch, though. The enemy's going to be pushing back against us and what God is trying to do among us. And so all I can tell you is that the harder he pushes, the harder we're going to push back. So over the next few days, I'm asking you to lock yourself in in prayer, fasting in the Word of God. Please don't waste time this week. Uh, with entertainment, but spend some time with the Lord because God is getting ready to break us through a wall. And when that happens, brother, there will be rejoicing on the other side of this thing. And we give God great praise for that today. I want to kind of lead you in that direction, if I could, to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, we're going to read several verses here in Luke chapter 4. So I want you to stay with me in the Word. I pray that you do have your Bible with you. You know, you used to have a good excuse that you didn't have your Bible because you left it at home. Well, now you know where your Bible is, so you can pick it up and read with Pastor this morning. To all of our precious saints of God that have joined us online today, thank you for being with us. To our precious guests that have joined us, we are so very honored to have you today. Thankful that you would take time to be with us in our worship service this morning. And uh, we want you to keep us in mind and keep your heart set on the Lord, and when these church doors open, we would love for you to come be a part of what God is doing here in person. If you have been touched and blessed by uh, our online ministry over the last few weeks, uh, we want you to reach out to us and let us know the good things that God is doing in your life. Thank you to all of our church family that is constantly sharing the good news of what God has done in your family and in your life, what God has done in your job. Uh, I, I want to tell you that we have not had one family in this church, one saint in this church, go without during this pandemic. God has kept his hand on us. He has provided for us and taken care of us, and we give him praise for that today. Luke chapter 4 is where we're taking our text, chapter 4 and verse number 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, that's important, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. 
That's the difference in me and Jesus. He waited till afterward to be hungry. I would have been hungry for 40 days. The devil said unto him, and here it comes, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it may be made bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I hope you're reading this with me today. It's powerful. And the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And people don't think that the enemy has access into the supernatural world. In one moment's time, he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, like he had the power to give it away. And the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all of this shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. He brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, Cast thyself down from hence. And then the enemy tries to use a little bit of word. Watch this. Watch how he does it. For it is written. He said, Jesus, you have used the word against me for the last two temptations. So let me bring the word to you. It is written. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thy shall dash thy foot against a stone and Jesus answering said unto him it is said thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God Jesus used a powerful word here that we cannot miss this morning he used context it does no good to quote the scripture outside of the context and Lucifer was using scripture outside of the intent and context of the Word of God. So Jesus replies back to him, and this is so important to the message that I want to give to you. The only answer for out-of-context Scripture is a scriptural answer within context. Jesus says to him, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation... He departed from him for a season. I wish I could hear you say it today, but I want you to look at somebody, or if you're standing by yourself, I want you to say it. He's coming back with a vengeance. He left him for a season. It was temporary relief. It was for a season. But Jesus, in verse 14, returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out fame of him through all the region round about. Notice this powerful principle. After an encounter with the powers of darkness, Jesus stood on the word, and when the word came to him out of context, he returned a word in context. It caused the enemy to flee. And when the enemy fleed, although the enemy came to defeat Jesus through temptation, The scripture said that when Jesus overcame him for this season, 
with a right now contextual word that it was Jesus who returned in the power of the Spirit. There is a moment of exchange that happens. The enemy thought, I can get him by himself. I can get him while he's weak. But Jesus stood on the word, and when he stood on the word, he came back in the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to you today about being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. Thank you, Brother Jordan. You can all be seated if you're standing. Thank you to all of our staff for being here today and standing during the Word of God. Make me feel like I'm at home. I want to deal very quickly, if I could, with the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. And I want to make a few things clear to you today through the teaching of the Word of God. I believe God has spoken very clearly to my heart, and so I hope that in some way, somehow, I can transfer that to you as well. The temptation of Christ is essentially Satan's first appearance in the New Testament. It is where uh, he comes to Jesus in a time of isolation to tempt him and to deal uh, harshly against him. So the first thing that the adversary does is he tempts the Lord to turn stone into bread and he does it with this condescending fashion as if he's testing something that he already knows but he wants there to be some certainty to see if there's a way that he can catch Jesus off guard. Please, please, please don't ever uh, misunderstand the fact that Satan knew exactly who he was dealing with. He was not asking Jesus if thou be the Son of God. He knew exactly who Jesus was. That's why he came to tempt Jesus. That's who he was dealing with. He was dealing with something that was from beyond this world the enemy was not confused about who Jesus was. This was a test and a temptation for the willpower of the flesh of Jesus. He said, if thou be the son of God, then turn this stone into bread. Why did he start with the stone being turned into bread? It's a very simple answer. He caught Jesus while he was fasting. People do not understand the power of fasting what it really does for you, but Lucifer, this ought to tell you that Satan himself knows the power of somebody who will fast because the first thing he tried to do with Jesus was to get Jesus to break his fast. If the enemy can get the church to stop fasting, then he does not have to tempt us with anything else. The true test of a man and the power that he has over his flesh can be tested by how frequently or infrequently he pushes himself away from the table. You can tell the strength of the spirit of a man by how quickly he's willing to throw in the towel on a weekly fast day. I cannot tell you how many times in my life I have been faced with the decision to go ahead and stop an hour early to go ahead and stop two or three hours early. You can guarantee that if you start a fast, you're going to get visitors that you normally do not get. I've started many times on an extended fast, and it was just my luck that as soon as I would start the fast, sister so-and-so would show up at the front door with a cake baked for my family, or someone would call and say, Pastor, 
We've been wanting to take you and your family out to dinner, and tonight is the night. Now, don't let that stop you when this pandemic is over. If the Lord moves on your heart, brother, we will have steak together. But the enemy knew the test of a man was how he was affected by temptation during a fast. I wish so bad that I could break this down to you and get you to see how the enemy understands the power of a fast, of consecration, of separation. Jesus was not fasting so that he would know the will of God in his life. Listen to pastor. Jesus was fasting because he did know the will of God in his life. And he knew that if he did not fast, that his flesh would become greater than the spirit that was functioning and operating within him because he even shows us later in the garden when he is vexed with pain and misery in his physical body and in his spirit he makes the statement that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. I'm telling you that if God manifest in the flesh had to keep his flesh under subjection through the power of fasting, then you and I that are filled with the Spirit of God must keep our flesh subjected through the power of fasting. Pastor, why is fasting so important? I tell you it's important because the devil knows it's important. It obviously means something to the powers of darkness if the very first temptation of the Messiah is that I need this man to come off of this fast so that I can deal with him. Lucifer knew that if he could get Jesus to stop fasting, that the battle was won and he had finished everything that he needed to finish. The next thing that he comes to him with, he takes him to a high place and says, Hey, look, if you'll just worship me, he tests him on his skill of worship. He tests him on his allegiance to worship. And he says, If you'll just worship me, I'll give you all of this. And we all know, uh, in hindsight, reading this chapter, that the whole thing was a lie. Lucifer didn't have the power to give to him the kingdoms of the world. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said already, All power in heaven and in earth is given to me. Jesus had all power. It is so amazing to me how many times we allow the enemy to speak things to us and promise us things that we already have access to like he's the one that can grant that to us. Jesus knew that he had power not only over the world and all that was therein but he had power over the voice that was speaking to him and promising him things that he could never give him back. Can I tell you today that the enemy's promises are always empty and he wants you to believe that he, had, that he can give you things that he doesn't even have access to, but it's all a great big lie. He can never give you the peace of mind that you're going to have when you submit your will to the will of the Father. You will never have peace like you have when you're walking in the will of God. He said, if you'll, if you'll worship me, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all that you can see. I'll give you all that you can see. Now, Jesus didn't have to take it this far, but the power of this man was knowing that he, he not only had power over all the things that were visible, but also the things that were unseen, because all things were created by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and we thank God today for the revelation of who Jesus is. But here's, here's something that I've got to get to you right now in dealing with the revelation of who Jesus is. I don't want this to sound funny. 
We know that Jesus knew who he was. We know he said it often. He said, I am. We, we, we could go through the whole deal. That's not what I want to preach. But the principle that I want to get to you is that Jesus did not overcome Satan in the wilderness to show us that he had power over Satan. We know he had power over Satan. He saw him fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus went through the temptation in the wilderness to show us that we have power. Jesus was trying to show us through the power of this temptation that it's not just that Satan knows who I am. I've got to know who I am. I must show the enemy that I am fully cognizant and aware of who I am and whose I am and the power that is within me. Temptation will come to all of us. And the reason temptation comes to us is because the enemy knows who we are. But Jesus was showing us you too must get the revelation of who you are. Do not give him an inch. Do not let him speak over your mind. Don't give him access to your spirit and to your mind stay the course he said to him it is written thou shalt worship and serve only God there is only one who is worthy of the worship oh I wish we had time to deal with that in depth but I got to take you somewhere this morning the third temptation was at the pinnacle of the temple I want you to notice how this happens folks I understand I understand the temptation is in the wilderness, but I want you to read the language. When I'm through today, I want you to go back and I want you to read this language and how powerful it is. The temptation started in the wilderness, but he had to bring Jesus to the temple to finish the temptation. If he cannot get you on fasting and he cannot get you on your allegiance in worship, he'll start trying to get you on your allegiance to the house of God. The temptation came closer and closer and closer to the house of God. Every time temptation came, it came closer to the house of God where sacrifice was offered. Understand this, preacher, when I tell you today. The enemy wanted to take Jesus to, uh, to a high place and cause him to fail at the temple. Why at the temple? Because this is where all eyes were on him. This is where when he comes out in the power of the spirit that he begins to teach in the synagogues and people have their eyes on him as he comes to the temple. Look at Jesus' ministry after this temptation. Everywhere he goes in public. So the church house was the most public place. The temple was the most public place that he knew all eyes of uh, the Hebrew world would be looking in the direction of Jesus. They wanted Jesus to fail so bad because they saw the power that was in his life and the enemy said if I'm going to make a public spectacle of him I'm going to cause him to fall at the temple oh I wish so bad I could get this to you to understand and take the scales off of our eyes that there is an all-out attack right now in the world against the church the enemy wants to see a public a publicity stunt happen in the church house why didn't the devil just Tell him to look in the direction of the temple. He wanted to catch him at the temple at a high point in his life and say, let me cause you to fall right here in the house of God. But you hear this preacher when I tell you today that Jesus has already settled this thing, that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. 
I hear people, I hear people, I hear it all the time. I've heard it now for over four weeks. I've heard people say, this is not, this has nothing to do with attack against the church. No, I do not believe for one moment, I do not believe at all that the church is being persecuted as a whole. But I do believe the enemy wants to make a spectacle of the church of the living God because if he can get us to fall at the temple, if he can get us to fall at the house of God, then the battle is done. Listen, it was the most public place that Jesus could have cast himself down and the enemy me wants the church to be put on public display that we have fallen but you hear this preacher when I tell you today that I feel the Holy Ghost so strong on me I wish you could sense it right now but God is about to shut the mouth of every lion God is about to shut this thing down God is about to every every hand that has been raised against the church of the living God God is about to close it down God is about to shut it down I'm telling you that your prayer today ought to be shifted and hear me well as I give you clear advice and instruction. If there's any prayer offered today, we ought to be praying for mercy for those that have come against the body of Christ because there is a day of reckoning that is coming and I declare to you that when the battle is over, we will be victorious. I can, I can tell you today with confidence, you mark this down when I tell you, that people who know how to keep themselves uh, calm, cool, and collected, who know how to keep their wits, who know how to keep their mind, who know how to keep their Holy Ghost, they will be rewarded when this thing is all said and done. Joseph did not hold it against his brothers when he was thrown into the pit. He did not hold it against his brothers when he was thrown into a prison. He did not hold it against his brothers when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He did not hold it against his brothers and he did not blame his brothers when he stood at the throne room of Egypt because Joseph knew that there was a bigger purpose being served behind the scenes. This is not just about what I've gone through to be thrown into a pit, but God is going to cause me to be in Involved in the greatest place of harvest in a time of famine. I want to tell you men of God that have stood strong, you keep on standing today. You may not even see this. The men that I'm talking to and preaching to may not even see this right now, but First Pentecostal Church, you hear your pastor and you hear me well. I want you to support every apostolic pastor the way that you have supported me. We refuse to lift our voice and cry out against men of God that are being holy and righteous and doing the things of God. I'm going to break this down for just a minute and I'm going to talk to you since we can't be together this week. I'm just going to talk to you right now. I do know this is on the internet and I'll be careful because Mark Zuckerberg would love to shut me down as much as he has other people. But I'm going to tell you something today, church. I want you to hear me very, very clearly. I want, I want to make this very clear to you today that people had better be extremely cautious about taking scripture out of context to prove their point that is not valid. Here's our first problem, is that we quote scriptural context from an American point of view. And I want to tell you that Romans 13 has been stomped on, buried in the mud, regurgitated, puked up, and people are lying on God. You hear what I'm telling you today? I see, I see it all the time. People say, we got to get back to the context of Romans 13, that if we got to obey the power. I'm not, I'm not saying that we ought to, I'm not endorsing rebellion. What I'm saying to you is that when you read that from your context 
of the point that you're trying to make, it looks crazily different when somebody from communist China has to read that scripture from the same context. Well, if the government says you shouldn't meet, then you shouldn't meet. Will you tell that to the people you've been praying for in China that have been meeting under the nose of the government? You tell that to our church in Saudi Arabia. You tell that to our church in the Middle East when the government says not to meet. I'm telling you, we've got to get off our American high horse and realize the kingdom of God is here. It is now. I want to tell the spirits and the atmosphere of this city, you better get ready for a comeback. You better brace yourself. The kingdom of God is on the move. I'm serving notice today on the enemy. I'm serving notice on the enemy. We're about to shut this clown show down. We're about to shut this clown show down. And we're going to let the enemy know greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. This is not arrogance. It's not about who we are. It's about whose we are. It's about who we serve. Jesus said you've got to know who you are and who you belong to. I wish we were together right now. I think the roof would lift off this house. I wish you could feel what I feel in this house right now. I wish you could feel it in your home. I hope you can. Listen to Pastor. Jesus was not caught off guard. It's very important to note how Luke begins his account of the temptation. He says that the Messiah was led in the desert by the Holy Ghost to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Ghost led Jesus. The Spirit within him. Led by the Spirit. That's what I'm talking to you today. Led by the Spirit. We are meant to understand very, very clearly that Jesus was not caught off guard. He was not caught unaware. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness it was not a sneak attack. It was not like the devil pulled one over on him. It was not like the devil said, oh, I'm going to catch him while he's by. Jesus literally went into the wilderness to engage with the enemy. Instead of just swatting, I, 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 know, I, I know we don't really have time for a lot of this today, but you, you do understand that Jesus could have just told Lucifer, get out of here, I'm on a fast, I'm not going to deal with you, and he would have left. Jesus allowed this engagement to happen for a reason. There was a principle that he was teaching. There was something that he was trying to get to us to help us to understand. You can engage the enemy and you can win. You do not have to cower down. You don't have to quit your fast. You don't have to run back into Jerusalem and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. Jesus said, don't be caught off guard by this. Just know that when you're trying to get close to God and you're trying to get connected in the spirit, that there is going to come a contrary spirit but he said stand your ground hold your feet on the ground don't you worry about engaging him there's a principle right here that I want to get down deep in your spirit if the word of God worked then against the powers of darkness it'll work right now against the powers of darkness so Jesus did not run from the opportunity to show the devil something not only to Satan but about Satan. He was letting Satan know that the power is not in your word. You do not control the narrative. 
The power is in the Word of God. Now, I'm going to spend just a moment here and talk to you about some things that I feel are very important. I'm not going to be here much longer. But I want to slow down and I want, I want to extract some things from this chapter and from this story. The first thing I want you to know is that Satan is very real. He does exist. He is operating in this world. It is time for us as the body of Christ to wake up and realize that the enemy is at work right now. And one of the greatest tricks that the enemy is trying to use, and I'm calling this out in Jesus' name. I want this to go on record. I'm calling it out in Jesus' name. And if you love me, and you love my family, and you love this church, and you, you trust my ministry, then I want you to trust what I'm getting ready to tell you right now in Jesus' name. The reason why the enemy is working the way he's working right now to cause the church to collapse on itself and to be divisive one towards another. Listen, I'm not saying you've got to agree with everything that every other church has done. I'm not saying to you that you have to agree with the way that everybody's handled things. I think everybody's tried to do the best that they can. But for the love of everything that is holy and sacred, please do not be caught online bashing people that are part of the church of the living God. Please, please, please don't get caught up in this. Here's the reason why. If the enemy can get us to devour ourselves, then the work is done for him. He doesn't have to do anything and we will fall on ourselves. We will collapse on ourselves over the next few weeks. As church doors start opening, I want to admonish, if you don't belong to this church, then you just take this up with your pastor. But I want to tell FPC right now, as church doors begin opening over the next few weeks and people begin to gather together we are not as a church going to be posting online about whether or not we like what so-and-so did or did not do we're going to do what we feel like God wants us to do at FPC and not only are we not going to post about it we're not going to chase everybody else's post down either we're going to let God handle this thing the way I feel about this is that the doors of churches are going to start opening all across America it's going to happen very soon you mark it down, it's going to start happening. The doors are going to come open. And people are going to be negative. But here's the way your pastor feels about it. And I mean this sincerely. You can ask anybody that's close to me that I've talked to. I have wrestled with this and wrestled with this. But here's the way I feel about it. There's nobody that has to be here. There's nobody, we're, not, we're not twisting anybody's arm and making people come to the house of God. If you're uncomfortable, don't go to church. This is what we're trying to tell America right now. Listen, for the good, for the common good of everybody, if you feel afraid and you feel like you need to be home, then stay home. If you feel like you need to stay, everybody completely understands that for the love. There's been a pandemic operating in the earth now for months and months. I know, I know what, what, what they're saying is that it's been here for a few weeks. I'm telling you it's been here for months. I'm convinced that people in this church had this, uh, had this pandemic, this virus in their system way, way back before the end of last year. It's been here for a long time. But what the enemy does not want you to know are the things that are being hidden and this is probably going to make some of you uncomfortable right now but I am not going to believe the report of every news outlet in America that's trying to tell me how much power this virus has 
We have got to get wise. We must not be in the wilderness without being led by the Holy Ghost. We have got, the other morning I woke up and the Spirit of the Lord spoke so plainly to me. It was almost like it was audible. It wasn't, but it, it was so real it felt audible. And he said, when the blind lead the blind, they both fall in the ditch. The Lord said, open up your mouth and tell my people not to be blind about this. That I'm about to do something in the earth that I cannot do through them. If they are hunkered down under mainstream media reports and all the numbers that they're putting out. Here's what I want to tell you. If you are confident enough in your health and you are confident enough that you want to be in the house of God then when the church doors open nothing can keep you out of the house of God if you need to stay at home everybody understands that and nobody's going to be talking about you from this church online but I feel like telling you today that if he was a liar in this book that the devil is still a liar today I will not believe the report of the enemy I will believe the report of the Lord kind of preaching makes us uncomfortable right now but I'm telling you this is not just a matter of perspective we got to get back to contextual scriptural understanding we have got to quit smearing the word of God through a western lens and looking at saying well you know God's American he's democratic if Jesus was here I'll tell you what he'd do he'd shut the church down I don't believe that I can't find anywhere in the scripture where an 11th hour church is shut down by a virus. If anything, it's going to be the catalyst that leads us forward. You mark my word when I tell you that in the end time church, Jesus said it was going to happen, but pastor's telling you it's going to happen. We're going to see more miracles than we've ever seen. We're going to see people healed. In Jesus' name, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm being a hero today. I'm going to exercise common sense. It's what we've done now for a long time. By the time we're done, we're going to have over 45 days from the time that we met together. So nobody can throw me under the bus and say that we have, we have not been uh, lawful, that we haven't, uh, we, we haven't exercised wisdom. I think there again, wisdom comes down to uh, your perspective and your perception of what wisdom is. What, what, what I would like to know uh, today in, in all sincerity, and, I, and I'm not just saying this to be abrasive, but I mean this sincerely. If Romans 13 really means what all these people are throwing it around to mean, then why, why in the world, why in the world are we sending missionaries into nations that say we can't have churches there? I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm sorry, I, I just don't I, don't, I don't understand why we're supporting missionaries around the world that are having to be disobedient to the laws of the land. I mean, is it because they're Americans that we're sending there or uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get this, I, I'm trying to get this in my mind. But I can't quite understand why in the world it matters now, but it doesn't matter then. You listen to Pastor when I tell you we can't be blind. I know I'm being bold today, but I'm walking in the boldness of the Holy Ghost. We cannot be blind. We must be led by the Spirit of God. If it's not a virus, it'll be something else next time. If we keep cowering down every single flu season, they're going to start closing the doors of the church. And I've had church an entire lifetime every flu season. If people have a fever, if they've been puking, if they've been hacking, they stay home. It's, it blows my mind. So then the first thing is Satan is real. He does exist. He's working. Number two, this is vitally important to where we are right now. Man, I hope y'all feel the Holy Ghost. I feel it up here so strong. I wish so bad you could see that old angel that's standing on this platform through that camera today. The second thing is he likes to work on us while we're alone. I'm going to give you a Holy Ghost warning. 
There's a prophetic anointing that's resting on your pastor right now. And I'm going to give you a, a warning in the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you that there is more that we have never even heard of these words social distancing before. But if you think for one minute that social distancing is all just about a virus, you are sorely mistaken. Folks, listen, I'm not speaking against the government. You've got to know my heart today. What I'm saying to you is there is something deeper than the government. There is something deeper in the spirit world that is operating and is functioning in the earth right now. Social distancing is not just about a pandemic. I social distance when I'm in public. However, I'll say the people at at the store I was at yesterday are not social distancing. I I try to be wise. I social distance. If I walk by somebody that looks sick, I go around the other way. Why? Because I don't want to be sick. Well, if you're so smart, can't God heal? Yeah, he can. God can heal me. Absolutely. But but I'm, I'm, I'm doing social distancing. But I want you to listen to social distancing. What social distancing is is another word for isolation separation. I'm talking to you in the Holy Ghost today. I'm not talking to you uh, from a heart that's upset. I'm not frustrated. I promise to God there is no frustration in me. As a matter of fact, today I feel better than I felt in a long time because I see the doors opening up. I see God's about to do some things. But listen to me when I tell you that the entire idea of social distancing is to be more long-term than it is right now. If we can keep people isolated, it's easier to keep an eye on them. The enemy loves to work on people. This is what Jesus was showing us in a season of isolation. He can talk to you about things that he could never get past you if you were gathering every week with your church family. It, I don't care what anybody says. It is different when you're trying to meet at home. I thank God for our online audience, and I want you to stay with us when we start having church here. We'll, we'll put content out every week for you, to, but there is a vast difference in communicating online and being in the house of God and feeling the presence of God. I, I, I'm going to say this publicly and boldly for the first time that I've said this, but this is one of the first things that I heard from the Lord in, in the very beginning, and then God went silent for almost a month to me. But the Lord took me to a very dark place in America right now. It is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. It's a pornographic industry. And 99%, if I'm not mistaken, 99% now of the pornographic industry happens on the internet. You used to have to go uh, to a movie store and, and, and look like a filthy pervert to go in and get your video. Now you don't have to do that. You just use your phone. You, you can be in the privacy of your own home where in isolation by yourself. Listen to me. I, I know we have children watching today, so I'm going to be very careful how I say this, but I need you adults to put on your spiritual thinking cap and not be carnal right now when I tell you this is what the Lord spoke to me. I'm telling you, if I've ever heard from God, I heard from him in this moment early. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, the day that men and women can start producing children through a pornographic screen will be the day that I can work through my church and end time harvest through a screen. I'm not saying we can't use it as a tool. I'm not saying that we're going to take it away when we come back together. What I'm saying to you is that pornography is a replacement for intimacy. It basically gives you the thrills and the frills without having to pay your dues. 
You don't have to be committed to it. And that's exactly what social distancing through the church has done right now. It has is, it is told people you don't have to count the cost anymore. You don't have to pay the price anymore. And this is the very, very thing that caused Jesus to flip over tables in the temple is when people stopped raising their sacrifice at home and started buying it at the gate when they walked into the temple. Here, pastor today in the Holy Ghost, if this upsets you that your heart's not right with God, we have got to get beyond this and realize that the enemy is trying to work on us in a season of isolation but the same thing that worked on him with Jesus in his season of isolation will be the same thing that works for us in our season of isolation you have got to get in the book and stay in the book and get the word in you I'm hurrying to a close today I'm hurrying to a close there's three categories that I want to deal with of the temptation my bishop's here today. My dad is here today. For those of you that watch this and wonder why in the world I'm preaching the way I'm preaching, if I'm out of line today in your eyes, I give you full permission to call my district superintendent, my bishop, my pastor, my overseer, and ask him his opinion about it. I'm going to tell you it's going to be pretty close. There's three categories. He tempted Christ, first and foremost, to turn stones into bread. If you're, if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to take. The first temptation appealed to his appetite. The second temptation, Satan tempted Christ to worship him, to worship the devil in exchange for power and wealth in the world. This, appeared to, this appealed to a desire for wealth and power. The third thing is Lucifer makes an appeal to the pride of the Messiah. He says, if you are who you say you are, then let the angels take care of you. I want you to hear, Pastor, today. It appears to me by all things that the enemy desires to turn the body of Christ into gluttons, materialists, and egoists. Why? Why would he do that? Because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man cometh. Listen to this preacher when I tell you that the shortcut to the end of this thing right here, the shortcut to this is to turn people into gluttons, turn them into materialists, and turn them into egoists. Jesus said that this is when the end was going to come. Here's the way we combat this. We combat this with fasting. We combat this not, not with materialism, but with worship. Because you realize in true worship, you don't need so many material things to make you happy. You find pleasure in the things of God and not of the things of this earth. Listen, here's a reason why we look at Job, and I, and I, I don't have time to go deep into this, but we look at Job and we find out that his true pleasure in life did not come from what he had or what he possessed, but by rather what possessed him. 
This is the cry in the end time church. And the enemy is working. You hear me? He's working. He's worked through uh, conferences and meetings for us. It's about who dresses the finest, who looks the finest, who's got the nicest car. It's materialism. And he's trying to eat us up with it. We have got to get back to the places, the body of Christ. Nobody likes to talk about this Acts 2 principle. But it said they sold everything they had. They had all things come. Well, Pastor, are you saying we've got to sell everything? No, I'm saying we've got to be grateful for what we have and realize that the almighty dollar is not going to be what makes us happy in the end if the, if they keep moving in the direction that they're moving right now with the digital dollar system then your dollar's not going to mean anything to you anyway we have got to plant ourselves on things like Jesus said to set our affection on things above not on things below we cannot continue to invest in things where moth and rust doth corrupt I'm not telling you not to be smart I'm not telling you not to make more money I'm telling you to seek first the kingdom materialism 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 and the last is an ego trip satan will settle for any one of these he'll settle for any one of these but he has no problem convincing us that we have access to all three i believe right now that if god has been calling the church to anything in the last several weeks he has called us to personal consecration and here's the reason why I have preached to this church for many years that the corporate revival we're looking for comes only through personal relationship and prayer with God. If we will, in these next few days, give God our very best while we're by ourselves, when we come back together in the house of God, it is going to blow our mind, the depth of spirituality. Do you realize what you've done? You have encouraged yourself in the Lord you have worshiped and prayed and cried and sought God with nobody there to pat you on the back. You've tuned into every single service without pastor there to say, hey, hope you made it. We miss you this Sunday. Anonymity is easy to find right now. You, 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 you can keep all the anonymity you want, whether you sign on or don't sign on. But hear me in Jesus' name right now. God is desiring for us to be led by the Spirit so that we are not caught off guard. We are not blindsided by the devil. But when we walk through this wilderness, we're going to come out like Jesus did, full of the power of the Holy Ghost, and many signs and wonders will be done. I'm reaching out to you today, church family. We must be led by the Spirit. I'm asking right now for our staff and our team that's here right now to begin to pray for you. We're getting ready to go to prayer for you. As soon as I'm done preaching, we're going to pray. And I'm asking God right now, and I want you to ask God for the same thing. To open up your mind and let your mind be illuminated today. Not by the ways of the mainstream media, but by what the Spirit is saying to the church right now. We have got to be covered in the armor of the Lord. Church family, let us be led by the Spirit of God. I love you so much. We'll be back together tonight at 6 o'clock in Jesus' name.